Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash spoken today. Hello, everyone. It is Redman Radio, the Liverpool podcast by me, Paul Machen, and the man sat opposite me, Mr. Chris Pajak. Hi. Missed you last week. All right, okay. Tom was good. It was he's, a good podcast. No, no I enjoyed Chris, it. He's no I enjoyed Jeff, it. That was he. It was good. I'll, I'm, I'm glad that Moreno got into an answer for a question again. Uh, will Moreno make it into the answer for another question this week, whether here or on the Q and A? I actually listened to it on Spotify. Well, it's funny you should say that because that's now possible. <laughs> if you listen to it on Spotify, you know that already. <laughs> but if it's been a, a source of massive irritation for you, like it has been for me, because every podcast that I listen to was on Spotify. Um, apart from ours and now ours is so there you go yeah you can get it on Spotify search search the Redman TV and it'll crop up that's exactly how you do it exactly like that um, or search Redman then find our office playlist from back in the day which comes up first <laughs> then a number of selections from Redman um, and then eventually find us in the podcast and some decent to albums from Redman as well to be fair <laughs> um, I, I had two of them on CD on CD yeah on yeah mi- not mini disc no not mini disc no <laughs> what did I have on mini disc the first album I bought on mini misc mini misc mini misc um, oh what's in, oh, what's the name of it um, Lauren Hill was in it Oh, the, the education band. of Lauren Hill. No, no, she was the in Fugees. the Fugees. That was it. Yeah, <laughs> brilliant. Um, fantastic. Where do you go from there? You go to a kickoff question brought to us this week by Callum Buck. Um, has the whole coaching team fall ill on the day of the game? What players take to the sidelines as non-playing staff? I manager, assistants, etc. Now I want to know if this happened. If this is like designated survivor slash. Um, dystopian sci-fi future <laughs> Battlestar Galactica as an example is there a line of succession here like is there a hierarchy in place because you know how, like when Rafa had his gallstones and it was left to like the goalkeeper yeah. coach to be on the phone for him and what have you before we get into who you've picked as the player which players I wonder whether there's like it falls to the ca- the canteen so, so staff eventually what, 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 what are we thinking it, it- the TV series Designated Survivor. It's mm. it's actually a thing in the American politics, isn't it? If they're if they're all in one place, there's one person who's the designated survivor and who goes off and in a completely different place in case they all get blown up. Um, in that case, I, I'm not sure that Liverpool have got that right now. Okay. Um, I can't see that it's you know top of the agenda at the AGM about who it is. It's probably Caroline and and what's her name from Carol the and Caroline. Yeah, it's probably them two. If you're going to pick anybody, yeah, um, they're not who I've chosen because you know stipulated that I had to be playing stuff. I like the idea that it's Michael Edwards and he can't communicate verbally with anyone. He can only communicate with them via emails from his laptop. Yeah. He's like, <laughs> or he's just got it. He's just connected to a screen and people go, well, where do we go? And he just goes. 
just gesticulating angrily towards don't ask me questions just yeah. why, the laptop. why are they all wearing Google Glass because it's the only way that Edwards can get his things into them and everything's coming up in front of them Google Glass amazing had to try them once they're really uh, fine um, absolutely fine fine for a world where you're living in Silicon Valley where it's fine to walk down the street with a pair of glasses that clearly cost about a thousand pounds try walking through like Litherland with a pair of Google glasses oh, that's not going to last very long um, go on then. you pick the players to take over the sidelines as non-playing staff manager assistant uh, James Milner Okay. Um, mainly because he's played for you know a lot of top managers and stuff, he's that little bit more experienced. Uh, I don't think he's too far away from getting into a suit and stomping the sidelines anyway. Mm-hmm. Uh, it definitely feels like that's a role that he could take up. And then I was thinking about how big a miss he'd be in the side. Yeah. So I went with Lallana second. Um, and I don't mean to be completely disrespectful to Lallana, but he's injured quite a bit anyway. Mm. Um, I, I, fulfill, I feel like he could fulfil two roles. Yeah. One of the team physio, because yeah. uh, he knows what they do. Um, and and <laughs> also the assistant manager. Yeah. Exactly. And it's a bit like, you know, Paisley, Paisley did it back in the day, yeah, didn't he? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Stepped up from sponge man to manager. So yeah, there you go. go. Maybe, maybe something like that. And... I picked the goalkeeping coach as well because it's not going to be Mignolet that's stepping into that role, I'll tell you that. Wow. So I went with Gabara as the goalkeeping well, coach. Yeah, I mean, again, you know, they, they, they know all the tricks. They're there. Just kick, put some crosses in, put some fairly inaccurate crosses in, kick some really hard shots wide of the post, limp about the place, you've nailed it. Yeah, um, sorted. And you don't I, want Simon Mignolet to be a goalkeeping coach? No. Well, I'd rather him be the goalkeeping coach than, you know, the goalkeeper, <laughs> given the choice. Um, yeah, no, I, I think there's an important there's an important step here. Is and you nailed it. Was you you don't want to be weakening weakening your side here. But I have in the James Milner stuff. I've just gone because if it, Milner is the perfect assistant at the moment. So you've got Henderson as manager, Milner as assistant, and then you're sort of like one of the coaching roles that seems to fill the bench. Whether it's your Peplin, there's stuff. Is, is your Out of interest, who, who is your who is your midfield three now? So in midfield three, because, so here's what it is. You're throwing in, let's say, Fabinho, Cater, Wijnaldum, but James Milner to do the the Kenny Dalglish Player style manager. stuff where, yeah, exactly, where he's playing assistant manager, where for the last 20 minutes we really need an assist from somewhere. And so Millie rocks up like and uh, goes like onto the it. pitch. Yeah. Let us know your suggestions for that in the comments um, or by <clears> tweeting <throat> at the Redman TV. News and brief time. Uh, Alberto Moreno, according to Neil Jones, will be allowed to leave on a free next summer. Um, yeah, I mean, at the moment there's no contract been offered. It doesn't. It's not outside the realms of possibility that another one would be offered, Chris. But I mean, this seems like a fairly logical thing. Liverpool, you know, they're not likely to cash in on him because there's no mm. sense in cashing in. And we've had this in the past where you get to keep a guy who's fine for the rest of the season and then he goes on his merry way. That you're not going to buy anyone in, and by the t- by the talk of what, what's in the Neil Jones article as well is, I think it's Adam Lewis. Klopp likes him and sees him as the next in the line of progression. So you're not going to buy anyone in anyway. So there's almost no sense in selling. Yeah, I think uh, no, I, I agree with that. I think you know right now we've got two very very good left backs. You know when you look at back up left backs around the league, everyone has a little laugh about Alberto Moreno and stuff, but he's probably one of the most experienced back up left backs in the Premier League at mm-hmm. the moment, and he would certainly be able to step in and do a job for short to medium, maybe long term as well. You know, we would lose something obviously from Robertson not being in the side, but realistically, 
it's not a bad option to have at you're all. Not, you're not putting, like, in times gone by when we've put, like, you know, you've Carragher's at left-back, and Carragher was an outstanding left-back, but Carragher wouldn't be an outstanding left-back in today's, no, in today's he game. No, would, he wouldn't, would he? And I, I think people are probably unfairly critical on Moreno at times because for the role that he performs in this squad now, he's absolutely fine for it. And, you know, he's always got his head down. I think he's always worked hard. He, he does seem to be a little bit of a laugher and a joker. He's just not got the talent that we need, mm-hmm. unfortunately. And it's not his fault. I'm sure he'd, he'd want to be able to succeed. And he's probably one of those guys where you think to yourself, well, we'll keep him around because he's a good option to have this year. Yeah. But if we've got better coming down the line, then there's probably no no point in, ha- in, in buying somebody else well, for that role. We're only just reaching the point of we've not even had a year of Andy Robertson at left back. You know, and uh, so it's weird as much as it feels like we've had him forever, and he is our fully established left back. And, and you know, he is at this point. Um, you, that right, Moreno? It's not so we're not so far removed, and people do. Moreno is he is the obvious fall guy in that squad, and rightly so because he's made a prick of himself at times. You know, he's done some horrendous things in football matches. Um, he hasn't, and, and, and he's one of those that gets worse in memory yeah. for not for not playing. Um, Worth pointing out, we just don't know what Andy Robertson would have looked like. Whether we, I, you, you can surmise that Robertson would have been integrated eventually into the team, but he was pushed into the team because Moreno got injured. Yeah, and Moreno was performing at an absolutely superb, probably the best that he played last season at the start of the season for us. You know, and before everyone types in, yes, he was shocking against Sevilla in the Champions League. <laughs> We're not sitting here. We don't love Moreno, but. You know, let's let's be let's be fair to the guy who's put the shift in. You can't discount the fucking bad things he did, but he was he was absolutely by and large fine last year. He was, yeah. And, and the the question marks for me aren't over whether he's a decent footballer or not. It's whether he's good enough to take this Liverpool side and be a part of this Liverpool side if we're challenging for the title. And I think honestly, for me, he's not. Yeah, he's he's you know he's got the the, the basic thing. And you consider what you've had to do. And I, I, I reference the Carragher stuff. You could drop in a lad who's got no pace. But he's got loads of game intelligence, and we kind of did that with Milner. We got a bit lucky to some extent that Milner's such a good, versatile footballer. Moreno, when you look at like understudies and things, you want a guy who, who can replicate the, the the rough features of what you do in your side already, and that's what we're driving at. I think Moreno, you look, he's fast and he's decent, and he's got good. He's got a good level of work rate, so you're not. It's not night and day between him and Andy Robertson, but he is a much poorer. It's, it's, it's mad, Robertson. isn't it? Because. I agree with everything you're saying about him as a left-back, but we're not so far removed from loads of people in YouTube comments saying to us, throw him on the left wing as your backup option. Mm-hmm. Now, I'd never agreed with I that one. I saw it last week. You, you saying it again last week. And that's crazy, but now that... I'm, I, well, that's fucked my point completely, to be honest, Paul, because I was about to say nobody says that anymore because he's not getting game time, mm. but apparently they still do. Yeah. Um, <laughs> he was never a viable option as a left winger for me because he's just not skillful he's enough. He's terrible in both final thirds. <laughs> yeah, yeah, he absolutely is. <laughs> Fantastic yeah. wing back, but only in the area immediately surrounding the wing back position. Yeah. Um, Peter Moore has talked uh, about the Anfield Road end, which is interesting stuff. Nothing. Nothing nailed on for me. I think you know we'd all like to move on further, but he does say uh, we're looking at a, a range of options to ensure. Uh, if someone can just pretend I'm doing this in a really mid-Atlantic accent, that would be more's the better. You mean you're not? Is that not? No, I'm an 
Uh, am I? It felt like Oh, it. wow, cool. Um, <laughs> we're looking at a range of options to ensure that we have considered all aspects before making any decision. Uh, these include working up design, feasibility, cost capacity, and economic viability options after that work is completed. And if there is a smarter design option that does not fit with the current outline planning permission, uh, then we would submit another planning application. Only once we have completed this comprehensive process and come to a conclusion will it be the right time to move forward. So as I said, they've got this planning permission in place that runs till like next summer, I think. Um, so they can get, they can get, they could get cracking under the, underneath that if they if they really wanted to. But it looks like they're going into it a bit more depth and detail. I, it, for me, the, the logical next step is to get this done. I think we've had two, we've had two years of the main stand. I think we've seen how much the improved atmosphere, how much the atmosphere has improved for having an extra nine thousand people in the ground. There's still it's still hard to get tickets for the vast majority of Liverpool games. I think the hunger is the hunger is there, and I think it's a decent time with Liverpool performing on the pitch. I think we've we talk about Klopp unlocking things as he's gone along as Liverpool match. He's unlocked budgets. I think the football club. I think we've proven. I think one more season of Champions League to to really truly establish ourselves. If we had a good fist of it this year, I think it's an absolute no-brainer. Yeah, I do, and I like I like the words that Moore's saying there. To be honest with you, I think you know the last one is is particularly pertinent for me is if there's a smarter design option that does not fit with the current outline planning permission then we would submit another planning application and you think I wonder when these ones were done I can't remember off the top of my head but you're probably talking two years ago I think within two years but yeah so and then you've got till next summer they could feasibly be two to three years old at, at this stage and the club's moved on so quickly probably quicker than everybody thinks yeah. that actually you might look at it and go that's not big enough for what we want Yeah. and maybe we've moved on so far and the expectations have changed so much that it would actually be worth us re-looking at those plans paying somebody again to have a look at it because what you might get down the line might be just so much better from changing them and I like the way that the club are now thinking about stuff like that it doesn't feel like you know ten years ago when a certain somebody said there's going to be a spade in the ground on a certain yeah. date, it felt like stalling. This doesn't feel like stalling in as much as we're just going to get this right yeah. first time. I mean, this is the last time we're going to be able to do this. Yeah, we're still getting back to the similar issues though. With when he talks about um, the the, feas the feasibility of stuff like we the, the design feasibility, cost capacity, economic viability options, these still come back to it. Like, as a, and I think if you if there's people who are annoyed with it. It's not going to rest, not going to make anyone feel more relaxed about the whole thing. That it still does feel a little bit. It's not hard. Look, as fans, we shouldn't have to make defences for the for the for the owners and what have you. It just stands as very base logic for us. We want to, we're Liverpool. We're a dead good club. We have a quite a, a stadium that's a bit too small for purpose at the moment. We want a bigger stadium. If it was me and it was my money and I had you know the, the finances to do it, I would just do it. But unfortunately, that's not the ownership that Liverpool have. They're not going to do these things without working up how it's how it's paid back, and that's the problem we've got. Is that I mean, the good thing about this this approach is that it's starting to pay dividends because we're seeing good football, we're seeing good players, we're seeing money being spent, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. So the whole package is being justified at the moment. But I do think it would. That's another one of those things that would make everyone feel a bit more relaxed if they just went. If it's close, to go okay, well. Yes, it's not going to pay. It's going to it's going to take slightly longer than we thought to pay it back. But you know what? In terms of what it adds to the value of Liverpool and all that kind of stuff, I, I'd like to see us 
jump on it if that if that makes sense. Yeah, again, it comes back to me is, and and here's the thing: I'll never know, and we'll we'll never know, will we? The the ins and outs of it and stuff. But as long as the club are thinking about it and they're thinking positively about it and they're considering all their options and they're making sure that they make the right decisions. Let's be honest: over the last three years, they've made the right decisions yeah. consistently. You know, there's those that you know the ticket prices and all that, the things that they've got wrong, and I get that. Yeah. And maybe that's feeding into this now as well. You know, the cost feasibility and all that type of stuff is, can we do this without putting up season ticket prices? Can we do this without... Ad- the pessimist in me says that's probably not what they're thinking about, mm. but I'd like to hope that that's what they were. What I, what, the last chat we really saw on this was a lot of this thing of, like, the main stand makes sense because you can fill it full of corporate boxes and you can cover you can cover your costs back, or you make your costs back quicker on a £10,000 season ticket that you can on a £800 one. Yeah, but... And that's not as much of an option with the Annie Road. Then, so that's that's the thinking on this is that you've got to look at what it's what's the value. The problem is the second the Annie Road then's finished. What's the first thing that happens? The first day that opens, well, the day after when it, when the, the euphoria has died down, I've on a massive Annie Road end. What's the first thing that gets? I set? know exactly what it is. Go on. It's going to be the cop. Yeah. Well, I, look at the state of the cop. When are we sorting the cop out? So the, the reason that I think I genuinely believe the reason they're stalling on that is they're waiting to see what happens with safe standards. Yeah, I agree. I agree on that. It's definitely something that needs to be needs to be done in that in that regard. Um, I would. I just I just like to see Anfield get up to just get up to that nice round sixty at least, and just and I don't don't get me wrong. I'd love Anfield to be eighty thousand, but. It, I think you maybe lose something along the way. You look at old, look at old Trafford. People, people. When Man United are absolutely the best team in the nineties and what have you, it must be great having a you know sixty, seventy as it was growing bigger and bigger, bigger and bigger stadium. But when it starts to tail off, and you maybe you know you have to factor that, that you might have to spend spend another few years in the Europa League at some point. And what does that do to the to the total experience? I just yeah. For me, the Annie Road ends is a no. Do the old Annie Road end up and then make the copper just a much better stand than it actually is, and then yeah, uh, move on from there. Um, Mohamed Salah injured, Chris, um, on duty for Egypt, scored from a corner against Swaziland. I mean, the fact that Swaziland is just it feels like something from a Roald Dahl book. But yes, it is. You know, it is. It is a country. It's a country that I forgot existed until I sort of come back up again there. Um, it is interesting because. Twitter was just awash with video clips of this amazing corner that he scored, and everyone's buzzing about how Mo Salah's back, baby, he's back, baby, and then it's all, oh no, he's injured. Um, at the minute, he's no one said one way or the other whether it's a, it's, it's a bad one. He posted a little picture of himself back on the plane, and it wasn't like him, you know, wrapped up in ice packs or whatever. So, fingers crossed, but it's fucking typical of the international break, this, isn't it? Yes, yes, always yes, always yes, when it comes to the international break of Liverpool players. This could be one of those sliding door moments for me, you know, where his season either kicks on off the back of it or somebody else's does in the mm-hmm. meantime. You know, it's it felt like we've not seen the most Salah that we've seen last season. It felt like something's probably needed to change. Um, the decision may have been taken out of Klopp's hands. We might see the emergence of Shakiri come into this side mm-hmm. and start performing at a level where we think, Do you know what, this is brilliant. Or Mo Salah might come back actually a little bit fresher, a little bit better recuperated and just hit hit form again. I was thinking this about Salah. He he was injured last year, last summer. He never got to be injured. So he never got to reap the benefits. And that sounds that, but you, my meaning on that is you're out for a few weeks. You get to mentally put your feet up, but also you get to like, 
you start to chomp at the bit of it to get back and you're desperate to get out there and you're watching your teammates play and you're watching someone else playing in your position and you're like, right, no, I'm gonna come I'm gonna come in, I'm gonna absolutely smash it when you get back. Whereas he, he got injured in the in the European Cup final, absolute heartbreak. Then although he had a holiday, he fought to get back exactly. for the world. Exactly. His whole mentality, I don't see how he had a he could possibly have relaxed for like the week or two weeks he had off between Champions League final and the world. Not I with just, the pressures that no. were put on him. Your entire Egypt nation is desperate for you to get back. So he's done he's gone to the World Cup and he suffered yet more heartbreak at the World Cup. And then the season just started again and he's just straight back into it. And so it's almost like that thing of I I, I equate it to like you know when when you're ill, there's a difference between being being sick and being ill, and w- one of them is where you literally you're like you're pinned to your bed and you can't move for two days, and the other one is when you're not right, but you can you, you can get by. You go do very day, you know what I mean, and you feel better for better for taking the, for the load off. And if it, this is not serious and this is not like something that requires him to go under the knife, then I agree this could be something that. Maybe it's a little bit of a break that he needs to come to come back a little bit better. Um, we'll talk a little bit more about him in a moment. Uh, we're going to be looking ahead to Huddersfield and we're going to be taking some of your questions. Before I do, Chris sat down with the wonderful Melissa Reddy for the Newsroom podcast last week. Uh, fantastic as always. Here's a clip. A lot of times I think athletes thrive in these type of situations. What's bad for one athlete might be great for another. And in this case, it's bad for James Milner, but it could be the catalyst to start Naby Kaiten's season. Yeah, I'm actually remembering um, at Salzburg, he had a similar start, Nabi, and it was Mane who was saying to him, relax, be patient, you've signed a long contract, you know, your time's going to come. When you get your opportunity, you make sure you maximise your opportunity and you stay in and, you know, obviously, we know how he's gone since I, when I was doing that um, Jürgen Klopp studio show, for Premier League Productions, Paul Lambert was there. And Paul Lambert has watched Jürgen's training sessions a lot. Um, he did it over at Borussia Dortmund. He's also very clued up on, on the Bundesliga. And um, he went to watch Naby, I think while he was st- still at Salzburg, if I'm not mistaken. And he said, he told me he had a conversation with Ranjik and said to him, your number eight is going to be worth 50 million one day and 50 million when he said it was like you know yeah, 100 yeah. million 150 million now but what he's able to offer the fact that he's practically two players in one if it's catching the eye of of managers and when you listen to all the things Jürgen has said about him you know that there is a lot of quality in there and you cannot write players off after five games six games seven games especially when you know the demanding system they're coming in to execute. Chris, where can people get involved with the full Mel Ready newsroom podcast? Um It was brilliant to sit down with Mel last week. You know, she'd just broken that clock piece, and, and she just and she so she spoke at length about that, and um, it was a really insightful hour with her. You know, talking to her not just about what's going on at the football club, but also about you know. Being a being a woman in a in a male dominated sports journalist industry in the male dominated industry, sorry. So it was really eye opening actually some of the hardships that she's gone through, and she opened up quite a lot. And you know, for me, she's one of the, the you know the writers that I look forward to reading her articles. But also, she does all the design work on those websites as well. You know, yeah. on those you know when you're scrolling through and it looks dead good, she's the one who puts it all together, puts the pictures together, makes sure it looks right on different size phones and tablets and all that. So there's a lot that goes into one of her articles. Really, really interesting chat. 
that and yeah you can sign up on the website it's five pounds a month first month is free if you like it keep it if you don't like it just fuck it off yeah absolutely so yeah everything's looking brand spanking new so if you checked it out in the past and you're like Go and have another look. Go and have a look and see what we're doing. Um, yeah, there's some great stuff. Obviously, the Bruce Grobelard interview went up uh, last week, the full extended version. I uh, mental fella, genuinely mad. Um, actually talked a little bit about the Kenny Dagley uh, <laughs> stuff that I mentioned at the top about him being player manager and basically the players going, Kenny, get, get, get on the pitch. Um, some fantastic stuff on there. So please, I do highly recommend going and checking it all out. If you thought the only way to get a more defined jawline with natural-looking results was through surgery, think again. Juvederm Volux XC is a non-surgical injectable gel filler that improves moderate to severe loss of jawline definition and can help you achieve natural-looking results with little downtime. Even better, this improved definition lasts up to one year with optimal treatment. No maintenance required. Improve jawline definition for a smooth, sculpted look with Juvederm Volux XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Get up to 30% off wedding jewelry at BlueNile.com and remember the joy of your wedding day forever. Blue Nile offers everything from diamond and lab-grown diamond wedding bands to classic pearls, earrings you can design yourself, even gorgeous sapphire pieces for your something blue. Whatever you choose, Blue Nile's pieces are all graded for excellence for a lasting memento as brilliant as the love that inspired it. Right now, get up to 30% off at BlueNile.com. BlueNile.com. Life is full of awesome what-ifs, and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out-of-pocket costs. Learn more at UH1.com. Huddersfield, Chris, it's weird because we're quite far out from this game at time of recording, so a lot can happen in between in between now and then. But I, I'm, I must admit, I'm kind of enjoying the international break at the moment, if only because I mean, look, we we, we do this a lot. International breaks are in what we do; they are a natural breaking point for us as well. But it feels like a collective of for fans as well, as well as the players and all that. Like, it's been a good time for this side to just go away for a little bit and whether they're getting a rest or not I don't think the players are you know, most of them are going on international duty and, and what have you and the rest will be training just as just as just as normal but it it's been this has probably been the international break I've I've looked forward I've most looked forward to in quite a while yeah for for me it's kind of a strange one because I looked forward to each of those games in a, in a different way as well so for me it was like oh wow we've just got through one of the toughest schedules we're ever going to have uh, you know of that I can remember over the last four or five years you know the, the caliber of team that we kept coming up against so it's felt to me like there's just been this big collective deep breath from the players from the manager from every single fan around the world who've just gone <sighs> Wow, what a few results! Because yeah. you know, you, you you take that beating to Chelsea, you, you you get a loss against Napoli, but then there's that time of reflection that we don't often get during seasons where you can look back and go, "Well, the last week hasn't felt great." I'm looking at the league table here, and we're still top. Like yeah. we're still joint top. Um, 
do you remember? I can't, I can't, we beat Paris Saint Germain a few weeks ago, <laughs> yeah. And you're just able to look back and go, What an incredible time to be alive almost yeah. and be, be a Liverpool fan because and now it's like I've had that little bit of reflection, and now we're getting a, you know, it's a few days before the Huddersfield game, and you're starting to remember what the games are in, in the order because everybody could tell you it was going to be Paris Saint Germain, it was going to be this, it was going to be that, and then this, and then that, and now you're like, Oh, well, it's Huddersfield, and this, and then two reds got, you're like, Oh, yes, that's what I'm looking forward to now. Like, this is that part of the season where, and it's, it's weird that it's come so early, but it, it's happened because the fixtures were so heavily weighted towards really good teams in that spell we've just had that. We I remember this talk about this a lot in like thirteen fourteen where we played all of our hard fixtures in the first half of the season and the easier versions of them all came in, in the back half and the logic the prevailing logic was you've got through that now this this line of fixtures really really favours you moving forward but you've then got to go and perform and this is what this is now because we have got the the in inverted commas easy run of games lined up now you know we've got Arsenal coming in at the start of November of course which is a little caveat to that but Huddersfield two Red Star games Cardiff and when given that we've talked we've talked heavily in the last fortnight about Man City's start of the season and Chelsea's start of the season they've both played both of those teams and they've both won well against them along along the way. Are you sure? Because I'm sure Manchester City have had like Burnley at home every fucking weekend, apart from the one where they had Wolves. <laughs> they just had... seem to have the shit teams at home every single week. You know, honestly, like they've they've they they're playing they played Swindon I think at some point at home. They've basically played every team that's ever been promoted to the Premier League and gotten relegated straight back down again. So that Derby County side, they finished on the lowest point. They've played that side. They've played. I said they've played the likes of Swindon. They've played Barnsley. Barnsley. You know, yeah. 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 Yeah, dragged, up, dragged Barnsley up there and gave them, an, gave them an absolute <laughs> kicking um, everywhere. Barnsley battered, absolutely battered. Um, but this is the thing, we've now got those games and it was all well and good looking at them and saying, look, this is where they've accrued their goal difference. And these are all true, by the way. I've had a couple of Man City fans saying, what are you talking about, the strength of our, our start? Our start, our, our start was, someone said to me, our start was harder last season. And I thought, and I nearly replied to it, this is dead easy to check. And I went back, it wasn't at all. They had a dead easy, you know, a comparatively easy start last last season as well. Um, this is our opportunity. It's amazing what oil money can get you nowadays, isn't it, Paul? Mm, no comments. <laughs> um, but the, this is the point, isn't it? Is that it's all well and good, us sitting around and going, well, cry arson about the fact that we've had a hard start of the season and these have had a really easy start of the season. We've got to play those teams now. And there can be no excuses. So I want to know from you, in a, in a general, I'm not maybe diving too much into it because we'll do this on you'll do this on Start Eleven and probably in the build up show as well. But I've seen a lot of people discussing this is a great opportunity to start rotating the squad. And without thinking about it, that's my immediate reaction too. Is you've gotten through that tough tough spell. Now's a good time to get everyone up to speed. And yet at the same time, I don't want to gamble not smashing these teams everywhere. And this is where you start to get is this logic of how do you... It takes bottle to rotate a football team when you're level on points at the top of the league. It does. And, you know, you look at the fixtures there, and I, I've got them in front of me. Huddersfield, Red Star, Cardiff, Arsenal, Red Star, Fulham. That's the next run. Where, and I, I'll ask you a question before I answer, Paul. What does rotating this side mean when everybody's fit? Rotating the side for me means more Fabinho, more Shaqiri, more Sturridge. Sad. Okay. So for me, it doesn't mean more storage. I'd, I'd, I'd always play Roberto Firmino up top, and I'd pretty much always, for the most part, play Salah and, and Mane alongside him. Mm-hmm. 
I'd pretty much stick with my back five as well. Yeah. So rotating the side for me means changing one, maybe two midfielders. So doing exactly the same as we've been doing already. Which is exactly what we've been doing, yeah. yeah. That's my point. And, and and that's what I think we'll continue to do as well. There might be a system change every now and again. Because I've seen it said that you've got Huddersfield coming up. You could, let's say, because let's say Salah's a doubt, fine. So you put, let's just say you naturally put Shaqiri in there for the sake, for the sake of argument. You could you could put storage in there because it'd be a good idea to get these lads up to speed. And again, it's a perfectly sound logic. But I get I keep coming back to it. <laughs> Liverpool don't need to win this game five 0 but this is these are your these are your opportunities. I think this game weirdly there are actually middle tier games where I would be more inclined to rotate. I, 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 I'd be I'd be looking at these these spell of fixtures honestly and saying to myself, right, at some point this season we're going to need Fabinho. We need to get him up to speed yeah. at some point and play a minute in this side. And that doesn't mean he needs 90 minutes, but it might mean he needs a half mm-hmm. or he might need 60 minutes or something like that. So I'd be looking at maybe maybe a couple of starts for Fabinho or a couple of appearances for Fabinho. Sturridge, I'm pretty comfortable with whatever game you're bringing him into. You know what you're going to get from Daniel Sturridge, certainly this season as well. And if Firmino looks like he needs a rest, rest him. Yeah. Because Sturridge is there and you may as well use your squad on that in that in that case. The Milner one's the difficult one for me. Yeah. You know, the injury to Milner and yeah. You know, it looks like he's going to miss a few of these games. Therefore, Kaita needs to be up to speed as well. Yeah. So Kaita, Fabinho, and then if you can get Shakiri some minutes, and you know, they don't have to all be in the same game. But you're you're probably pinpointing Arsenal as the game where you want to go full strength, aren't yeah. you? That's that's the game, and then everything else just work it around it so that you know you've got Fabinho some minutes, you've got Shakiri. Ideal some minutes. world, you go into that Arsenal game and going, who who starts this? Whereas at the minute you don't really have that because of that, and that's that's the, the the real tricky thing we're in and that's why for me the Huddersfield game, I people saying like like Fabinho stuff, I wouldn't be putting Fabinho in this game necessarily. I would be keeping with I would be keeping largely with what we what we've seen already from the midfield because I think you can maybe rotate against Card if you need to or you can go. If you've got everyone fit for it, you can do a little bit what we saw against Southampton, mm-hmm. where you can go to four two three one or what four two four, whatever you want to call it. For this, just because you're back off the international break, getting these three points is so is so important to, and also because it sets the tone as well. Like, like I could the Spurs ha- game set the tone for the last ones. Yeah, exactly, you know, I could have like any other time of the season, I would have no problem with it being Mane Sturridge. Shaqiri as a, as a front three because it's perfectly capable of beating this team it's perfectly capable of beating most teams in the league g- given that we've played you know pretty much all of our the real the real tough games um, in this spell certainly but you know I don't want to I wouldn't want to upset the rhythm of what we're doing too much in this it's, it's very it's very very tricky and of course this is the problem with having someone like Fabinho who is a specialist in this side. Emily Chan would just come in for these games and you wouldn't you you'd be thinking maybe we're losing a little bit here or there, maybe we're gaining a little bit here and there, but you'd have a clearer idea of what you're getting. Whereas at the minute I feel the logic to me feels like do you need a number six for any of these games of games know, of footy? I think that's probably where I differ with a lot of people in view and how I view Fabinho. I, I think I take your point. I know that he's a specialist. I know that he's more of a defensive midfielder than the others. I just don't know if there's that much difference between what he does and what Henderson will do. And I think you could see his role change depending on the opposition. So what I mean by that is, I think he'd play a little bit more like Jordan Henderson against somebody like Huddersfield. 
And I think if you were to play him against a Manchester City, you'd see a different style of performance. Quite yeah. in in quite the same way as that we see that from Genie sometimes, don't we? You see him where he's bombing on yeah. in the eight, but then also you see him as a very pragmatic eight sometimes. Yeah. I feel like Fabinho's got more to his game than just the DM. I feel like he's going to be a great fit for this side because. Just looking back at those, you know, I did a, a, a stats and tactics profile on him, so I did an hour-long show where I looked back at some of his performances for Monaco last season, and I, I watched one full game, and it was it was an incredible game because it changed my viewpoint on him. He's not that destroyer. He can be. Mm-hmm. He's got the physicality for it, but he's so much more than that. It, it just, does he have the passing range for it? Probably not in the same way that is Henderson he more, does. Why, is he more Wijnaldum than Henderson in that regard? Yeah, but he's all, he's also more, and and I don't want to get too far ahead of myself here, you know, from the 90-minute game that I watched and then probably clips of most of his games last season, it felt to me more Patrick Vieira, as in strong, can stride out with the ball, loves to play a 1-2 off maybe a number 8, Actually, how we play Pro Evo with him, yeah, you know, more that, that's probably yeah. that. And, and what we do is we do a lot of one twos with the defensive midfielder, and he bombs on out of position. Yeah. Fabinho's got a lot of that, and he quite often support the attacks. Do you remember that centre back that we were looking at? Um, who was it we were looking at? Who, who just kept popping up and scoring headers? Was it Mina? Possibly. You know, he just seemed to be out of position a lot for yeah. what you would think of as a as a number six. I feel like he's going to add a lot more than what we think at the moment, mm-hmm. and it's difficult now because nobody's seen him. Yeah, you know, and he, and we're six months removed from him playing for Monaco, so you know, you don't, no one's going back and checking. But I don't, I don't, I just don't see him as that Makaleli style midfielder for yeah, us. Yeah. I think he's going to be a lot more dynamic than that. It's funny because for me, if you've got Milner, I think this is back to Genie, Cater Milner as as your midfield for these games because you don't need someone. You just you need as many people who can get forward and support the attack. But equally, as we said, <laughs> I wonder whether we'll see, particularly particularly at Anfield, the more of what we saw in the first half of Southampton. Like we tried that more attacking formation. You know, it, we we give up a lot of control over the game in order to be a lot more dangerous. Uh, Southampton were probably slightly too good for us to try that against, but there's probably a clutch of teams who are in, you know, who are doing, have no ambition other than to try and stop Liverpool playing. That you maybe just go, God, yeah, who's asked? And it's whether you do that, whether you do that by having six who can attack, or whether you do it by putting a Fabinho in and letting five do the attacking. It could be, again, these are all myriad options. I, I have no idea which way we're likely. To go with this, mm. yeah, I, I mean, I, I don't know. I, I, the injury things is obviously massive, isn't it? You know, you're not looking like you've got Lalana. You're not looking like you've got Milner. Well, do you reckon Lalana? Lalana should be available. Um, I'm not and sure the, he's playing if he is available or not. Mm, the talk is that Salah, Van Dijk, and Milner are all being monitored, and none of them have been ruled out of this game at the moment. You know, at time of recording, which bodes bodes well. You'd ima- I'd, I would have imagined Milner just would have been a big cross through his name hmm. straight away it's kind of fortunate in some regards that it is Huddersfield coming up because if you're going to take an injury to Van Dijk and, and so if you're going to give them a week off or at least that, you know a, a, a few days off you'd much rather it be this game than any other any other of the fixtures pretty much yeah they really struggle scoring goals don't they mm. unfortunately for them like so yeah I think if there is a game you're probably looking at a lover and Gomez because you don't really want to risk Van Dijk he's too important Lallana is an interesting an interesting one in this and where we've been the problem we've had with Lallana is how we've reintegrated him into the team over the last year 
we've done it catastrophically bad. You, you know, you never get more than a, a game out of Lallana recently before he goes before he goes off again. He could he, he's totally become the forgotten man at Liverpool, isn't he? We talk we talk a lot about how this side has evolved past him, and yet. We've seen it happen. We've said this a lot of Liverpool players time and time again down the years where you go, oh, no, well, he's not good enough to play for us anymore. And then he comes in. like This time a year ago, James Milner. James Milner was totally surplus to requirements. Well, he's not good enough to play midfield. We've made, we've moved him to left-back. He's not even good enough to play left-back anymore. Moreno's back in at left-back. Well, that's probably the end of Milner, and he ends up breaking the record for assists in the Champions League <laughs> that season. We could yet have a, a shock on our hands with Adam Milana because... It's a big button, it's a big if, if he stays fit. But equally, you know, we're talking about Daniel Sturridge being a viable option all of a sudden for Liverpool. <laughs> it's 2018 so, and we're talking about Sturridge. Exactly, so well, it's, probably, it's not outside the realms of possibility no, that you could it, get something out of Lallana this it's year. It's not, is it? And it, it it's how you, it's for me, it's how you build up through the thirds and, you know, that quick strike that Liverpool have got, that doesn't suit his game, you know. He's but, more that control and influence on the edge of their defensive third or our attacking third, isn't he? But more what he brings is that is the stuff that Roberto Firmino does. It's the it's that pressing from behind, nicking the ball back and turning turn it round the other way. That was the key to his game under Jurgen Klopp, and that's something that I don't think anyone else in our midfield does that as high up the pitch as Lallana does. No, but then I, I don't I don't feel like Liverpool do that anymore anyway. But it's that. Based on personnel, or is it based on on? on, Pers- on I think it's control, and you know, it's it's how many chances we're conceding nowadays. I think you know what we realised is if we do that press a little bit further back, if they manage to break through it, you're not almost four v four on the defenders. Yeah. On the defenders, and I, I think it's very much a controlled press now that Liverpool have. There are times during games where we still press really high, but we pick our opportunities a little bit more more now. Whereas we used to just always do it, and then if they were through, we were we were up shit up shit creek, and that's why we're conceding less goals. I think you know everybody understands their role. I think Adam Lallana certainly can go back in and do it if he is fit. Of course he can. He's a clever player and he's got great touch and he's got that sort of natural need and want to be able to do this it's just it, it flows from him doesn't it it's just yeah. it, he picked that part of the game up so naturally that first game against Tottenham with Klopp he was the guy that we were like wow yeah. he gets it already yeah. I, I, it's, it's amazing but we just don't play the same anymore and it, until you see it it's very hard to guess what's going to happen my sneaky suspicion on this is because there's been a lot of conversations about how Liverpool have changed how they've, how they've played and I don't I don't disagree that we we have to some extent but I think how we've utilised that midfield I don't think we'll use it we, there's no need for us to use the midfield in the same way against teams in, in uh, like Huddersfield and Cardiff etc how much work <coughs> pardon me Wijnaldum and Milner have done covering full backs that's what you talk about being a bit more conservative, being a bit more controlled in what we do. I wonder whether we would, you know, example being Maribor away from home last season. Mm-hmm. James Milner plays very, very advanced in that in the Lallana, plays in the Lalana role, a version of that, the very, very offensive eight, picking up little hot pockets of space just on the right hand side of the eighteen yard box and really influencing the play. And I wonder whether we will be afforded more chances to do that against the lower quality of opposition because the onus is going to be on us to go and win these games and having a guy you don't so what I mean is we talk about this rotational <laughs> midfield three where all three guys can play in all three positions but ultimately none of them are actually particularly well class in any of them whether you maybe can go a, a shade more attacking in these because again you you might have it, to it's, it's entirely possible but I, I think back to how, how I've seen Liverpool attack so far this season 
we don't have that. We're going to camp on the edge of your 18-yard line and pass the ball around type of mentality that somebody like a city do. What we tend to do is we'll we'll go up almost Italian Italian footy in the 90s. We'll go up to the edge of their area and we'll decide whether it's a good way in or not. And then we'll play it back. And what we tend to do, I think anyway, is we let them stretch themselves back out to the halfway line, create that space, we go back to the centre halves and we push again, maybe down the other side. And we'll keep doing that until we find an opportunity. Whereas I think a, a different type of side, a Pep Guardiola side, will just camp on the edge of their area and almost force you into a mistake. I don't feel like our midfield three are quite the good enough passes to be the able to do that. The closest we've seen to that was Southampton first half, where we just had the ball in the final third of the and pitch. And we played a different formation with a different yeah. midfield three. Yeah, and, and that's that. That's where I think that, like, if you are playing Lallana in that role, then you probably have to change the style of play as well. Um, it'd be interesting to see if we move towards something like that because I do believe, like, you know, when we're playing lesser quality players, we can certainly do that to teams. Yeah. You know, we're we're a side there who've just come up against Manchester City, and we had nearly fifty percent of the ball at Anfield, yeah. and that is, I think, the least possession they've had forty nine percent against us since Pep Guardiola's been in the Premier League. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? So we're able to take it to sides. Yeah. It's just that that. That key master pass that we used to have with Phil Coutinho has just not been there at yeah. the moment. You never think Wayne Aldum's going to open this up with a slide roll through ball. Yeah. You never think the same with Jordan Henderson. It's just not there. What we've seen is Robertson getting around the wing and getting a ball across the box, and that's how we're attacking. Do you know what I mean? That's the thing where it's. I, I think it's. it's we we're going to see a completely different Liverpool, and I, I, that's why I've kind of refrained from judgment on style or anything because. The games have been so. The banker games are so different. It has been so, so, so intense. And whether it's, I mean, like West Ham's not, you know, there are a couple of easier games within there. But you could make the case that we've been building up towards playing that bank of really, really difficult fixtures in that run anyway. And it will be fascinating. I've got this sneaky suspicion we're going to let the handbrake off in the next couple of weeks, and we'll see. Uh, we'll get a much clearer idea of what this Liverpool side is when people are saying like well we're deliberately not attacking as much or we're not or we, we, Klopp, has changed, Klopp has sacrificed goals for defence probably I don't think that's untrue but I also don't think it's also true from here until the, the end of the season we're not necessarily seeing a style of play that's going to no, be I our think, Liverpool play from, from now until I think May. you could be right you know it's just come to me then but we used to talk about when Klopp had a week to prepare for a game, we'd see a game plan for those teams. When Klopp's known you're going to play Chelsea's and Napoli's and PSG's and Manchester City and Tottenham, and you're not having training days, you know, two days rest and a day maybe to talk a little bit about tactics and then you're into the game, then he's probably set his side up for that entire period in between international breaks to play a certain way. Yeah. So Because he hasn't got any time on the training ground with yeah. them. And now he's had a couple of weeks, you know, uh, easier sort of fixture yeah. list maybe will be a little bit more expansive that's that, that I keep coming back to that first half against Southampton and that was like because as you say there's no rest there's no time to really work on something and it's whether that was his like that was he was doing his, his training in public almost mm. in that regard we needed to get the lads having a, I needed to have a look at something I couldn't be sure until I saw it sort of for myself that if we're going to come up against teams that are going to defend for their lives then we're gonna have a go at we're gonna have a go at a go at doing this. It's fascinating anyway. Really, I'm really, really looking yes. forward to it. Um, in a totally different way to the games that we've seen against the really top quality opposition, but also with that little bit of trepidation that comes with it because it's all well and good going. Ah, oh, bollocks to you, Man City, an easy run. You've then got to go and do what they've done to these but teams. I don't. I trust this Liverpool side to be able to 
waltz through these fixtures almost I now? think yes but I think that's why this game's so pivotal mm. because any team can frustrate you on a day a team that's set up resolutely to stop you from beating them Liverpool can frustrate me <laughs> yeah. exactly. but, you, but this is the point Huddersfield away from home that they can they they can make it their modus operandi to literally put eleven men behind the ball, and any team can stop any other team from from scoring on their day if they get the right wins and you know they get a little bit of, a little bit of luck, and because, I mean psychologically the players are probably probably better tuned into all this thing they've been getting briefed behind the scenes this is what we're going to be doing we're not going to go and batter teams x y z that's our hope, but equally there might be something in that of just going you know most Alisson needs could do with banging a few more goals in Firmino could do with banging a few more goals in and if you don't if it doesn't click here, then that is a site that you know you do enter into a realm of a psychological issue where, well, hang on a second, Man City were able to absolutely batter these everywhere. Why isn't it quite working for us? So yeah, it'd be um, this is a massive game in that regard, and there will be a little feeling, and that's why Liverpool could just do with this being one of those games where we do just rock up and and do it, and it in, in much in the same way we talked about City could be a catalyst for the season. It wasn't quite in some regards. This need this could well be our manipul. Like last season, you know, we 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 you know we battered Maribor seven 0 We then went and lost the Spurs, and everyone talked about Spurs. The lost the Spurs being the catalyst, but Maribor was the game where we went. Oh my God, we can score so many so many goals Let's here. Just do more of that and less Let, of that, please. Exactly, exactly that. Um, right, we've got some questions. We've actually got a whole bunch of questions. We do an extended version of this podcast on the RedmenTV.com. We work through loads of the the more mad and random stuff that we get sent in. Uh, we'll come to that in due course. Though, what we're going to kick it off with, Evan Died Nen says, uh, favorite national team other than your own. Do you know what mine is? Italy. Well, yes, but no, it's actually Poland. Okay, um, just because of the family links and stuff like that like but yeah if it, if it was a non-family related national team it's 100 percent it yeah I, I, to be fair when as a kid growing up me um my dad used to make a point of showing me the best players playing in the world cups and i've always had a soft spot for argentina because of maradona and germany because they've got the best some of the best kits i've, I've got that germany jumper that i will do the week and it's amazing how many people just don't like germany i'm like do you not like Germany because of the war? Is that, that is still it. a thing? I think that is it. Yeah. Is that still is genuinely yeah. people? <laughs> Matt, funny, funny old world we live in, isn't it? Um, I'm so sorry. I get this right some weeks and I get it wrong this week. Uh, Chris, uh, what, what, what is it you say when you get it right? Serena Vassen. Nice. Is that actually right? Can you let us know in the uh, comment section below? You know it's right, Richard. Um For Chris, which American football position would each Liverpool player specialise in? E.g., I see Cater as a viable running back. I like him Don't give a, me every Liverpool player. I, I, me a... I like him as a viable running back, Cater. Uh, so I'm going to stick with you. I'm going to stick with you on that. I'm going to go Virgil Van Dijk as my quarterback because you need to be big to see out of the pocket, like six foot five, big arm. You know what I mean? He's yeah. just absolutely sees the field. 100% is going to be him. Uh, I'm going to go wide receiver one as Mo Salah, you know, that deep threat, obviously. Uh, wide receiver two, probably controversial, Milner, because, you know, he's probably playing in the slot. Uh, needs to be a little bit more wily, get out of those cuts on the ground quite quickly, so probably a James Milner. And then I think as like a, a sort of a good passing, but also blocking tight end, the Joe Gomez. 
Okay, they're the ones that I'm going to think of. Let Brilliant. me know yours in the comment section, though. But you literally could have made all those positions up there and just spoke for a couple of minutes, and I'd have no idea. Uh, Matt Froud, uh, if you were to be transported to I another reality where Premier League stadiums... He's playing the outside transponds the role. Oh, brilliant. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I'll be wang up for that. Um, yeah, left flow. Oh, fucking hell, I fucked up the Friends reference. Phalange. Brilliant. brilliant. Yeah, the left flange. Um <laughs> In another reality where Premier League stadiums were shifted around, Liverpool still playing Liverpool, but for example, Selhurst Park is where Anfield normally is and Liverpool play there. Which stadium would you hope Liverpool will play in? Yeah, Celtic Park. It's not Premier League, is it? <laughs> is that what it says? I've not written an answer down to this question. I, I, I just don't give a shit, to be honest with you, mate. No, no offence, Matt. I just don't care. I mean, you know, no one cares about any of these questions. <laughs> I know. But just because you've said Celtic Park because you didn't read the questions, no reason to poo-poo Matt's question. <laughs> Fuck off, you frowdy. <laughs> uh, it's Old Trafford. Yeah. It's the biggest stadium. Uh, it's the biggest and it's already red. Whatever. You're going to make me pick one out, yeah? <laughs> You've literally got 19 stadiums to pick from. Yeah. Um, St. James's Park. No. Selhurst Park. No, I've had a, a, no, I've had a, I don't like St. James's Park. I've had a bad experience The Vitality there. Stadium. No. The St. Mary's. St. Mary's is a decent show. No. Um, mate, just pick a fucking stadium and we can move on. No. It's fine. Chris is having Vicarage Road. No, I'm definitely not having Vicarage Road. That's basically Paul James, which player play? If you disagree with Chris's pick of Vicarage Road, let him know. At Mr. Blood Red on Twitter. <laughs> uh, which player played for a rival team that you should hate but just couldn't? Drogba for me. He was a pain in the ass. Always had an unreal game. I didn't. I couldn't bring myself to like Didier Drogba because I, he was so much of a pain I in the ass. I have pretty much no problem hating players of other teams. I'm, I'm quite a hateful person at times. <laughs> I've got a lot of hate in and, my heart. And you know what? I need to spread that round. <laughs> But if I had to pick, the one that I probably admired most was Paul Scholes. Really? I did hate him. Like Couldn't stand him. Didn't like him as a player. Didn't like him as a... I never never got the Paul Scholes. I just thing, like. loved watching Paul Scholes play football. Yeah. Um, Still hate him, like. Yeah. To be fair, the Man United... There's a lot of those Man United players around that time. Like, there's every reason to hate Eric Cantona. And yet, there was just something so, like... You know, like, the bit where he, he flicked his collar up and he just, like... He just was the most French he's ever been in his entire life. And you just look at him go like, what an absolute massive gobshite. But at the same time, number seven on the back, the believes he's the best player in the world. There was something like really sickeningly, you know, likeable about that at the same time. Um, so probably someone like a, someone like a Cantona. But mm, I did really, really dislike him. It's tough. I'll, I'll pick Cantona for the sake of argument. Right, we've got loads more questions coming up on the subscriber Q&A. Uh, Ryan Maxwell asked if <laughs> you had to let one of the players sleep with your wife but in return you could sleep with their wife who would you choose and why uh, starting 11 of the best Premier League players but only, you can't have two players with the same first letter as their surname so you can't have Gerard and Giggs or Schmeichel and Shearer that is interesting uh, there's a lot of scribblings out on my workings out there um, and a whole host of other things including our, our, our ideal weekend music festival so if you give a flying fuck about our <laughs> thoughts on any of those things get over to the redmentv.com it's always good fun Um We've got a whole host of other things. As mentioned, the incredible newsroom podcast with Mel Reddy, the exclusive interview with Bruce Grobbler, 
There's exclusives from the past with the likes of Lucas Lever, Jürgen Klopp, etc., etc. And of course, the website is brand spanking new as well. So if you just want to go and have a little look around and see what we've got going on there, it is magical. Absolutely magical. Thanks to the guys at Cyberfrog for designing that for us. Um, brilliant, Chris. Thank you very much. And you, Pablo. Uh, everyone, have a great week and hopefully a great weekend at the end of it. And as I say, check out the rest of the content on the website. Woha. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. ACAST powers the world's best podcasts. Here's a show that we recommend. The Real Housewives is a guilty pleasure for most, but if you're looking to not feel guilty about that pleasure, tune in to Everything Iconic with me, Danny Pellegrino, where I break down all the messy moments and behind-the-scenes antics of Bravo's popular franchise. And on Everything Iconic, I also interview celebrity guests like Kelly Ripa, Kiki Palmer, Drew Barrymore, Cameron Diaz, and more about their guilty pleasures, their past work, and so much more. So if you're pop culture obsessed and find yourself watching way too much reality TV like me, tune in to Everything Iconic with Danny Pellegrino, wherever you listen to podcasts. ACAST helps creators launch, grow, and monetize their podcasts everywhere. ACAST.com.